Tonight, we got them. Goldie and the Salt. This is a chemical, chemical, disgusting, 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 And it starts right now. Oh, welcome back. JC, why are you making noises before I can say, oh, welcome back? <laughs> it's just you're funny because little... I know you're going to do it. Yeah, oh. so you, you wanted to whimper in there. <laughs> welcome back, disgusties. <laughs> To another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers, by writers, who hate writing and who now hate this podcast. But here we are, still doing it, baby, for you, the listeners. Uh, oh, wait. First joke of the day, first joke of the day. Jeez, I thought maybe your fingers were broken when it came to me. Sorry. I like the podcast. Oh, okay. there, no, that's Second actually the first joke of the day. Joke of the day. That's, there's your first joke of the day. Uh, you were right to withhold. Uh, <laughs> hey, did everyone have a good 4th of July? I mean, I celebrated Canada Day on Friday. On that's probably a better choice. <laughs> better country to celebrate right now. Goldie, how was your 4th? I know you're dealing with some medical stuff at home. Y- you and I are a tale of two cities, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm Paris. So you are, I see you on Instagram. I see you gallivanting about on the Cape with your lovely friends and your sumptuous meals. Uh, COVID has invaded my house. Um, My wife and younger kid have it. My other kid is away. So unfortunately, she doesn't have it. I somehow still don't have COVID. Um, So I'm isolating by myself on this holiday weekend in this this room that you can see, this charming room. Yeah, I love um, that. And, you know, I've, I've been playing my guitar. There's really nothing Ooh. else to do. And I, nice. I, I thought to myself, I, I kind of wanted to learn some emotional songs and make some emotional arrangements. Because my, my life, uh, as of last night, the, the last thing that happened last night was that... Um, so I, I have to wear a mask in my house and we're avoiding each other. Yeah. Right. But then my wife was in one part of the house and my kid was using the bathroom and then i just hear i have diarrhea oh, no. <laughs> and i'm oh, waiting no. for my wife to go do what one does with diarrhea yeah and <laughs> but she can't hear and i and so I, it's like i'm dealing with this covid diarrhea so then at the same time i'm like i'm gonna look into learning landslide on guitar i'm reading these lyrics and i'm just going the person in landslide has it better than I have it right now. Like, how is this a sad song? Like, you saw a fucking face on a snow-covered hill. Someone's yelling at me about COVID diarrhea that I have to go abate while wearing a mask. And then I log on Instagram and I see Alec in his like pink pants, fucking pants. having martinis and, and just having the best time. And I, and I'm going like. I want to get inside your head and what, <laughs> why are you posting these things and why am I looking at them? Because looking at photos, I know no one younger than me and those are the only people who count. No one young can understand that looking at photos, specifically other people's photos, used to be an incredibly small portion of life. Something yes. you did maybe yeah. once a year, someone would say, here's <laughs> 10 photos of me and you didn't give a shit about them but someone handed you something so you'd look through them. But now... It's 70% of everyone's time is looking at these fucking photos of everyone else. And if they're having more fun than you, as is in your case, I fucking hate you. And if they're doing worse than I am, I feel bad. So why am I putting myself through this? Because I'm looking at your photos and I'm going, what a fucking asshole enjoying himself as I'm getting screamed at about COVID diarrhea. And you're... Why do you want to let everyone know how good a time no, we're having? No. Keep that 
shit secret. You're just making everyone mad or they're having a better time than you so they don't care. The floor is yours. Oh, well. <laughs> a great rant. First of all, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Let's hear from our fans. Write us. Do you think uh, riding a boat on Cape Cod is better than COVID diarrhea? Let me, oh we'll let you God. decide. We Jeez, don't know the answer to that question. Oh. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Um, well, it, it's so interesting because you, you had mentioned a little before that you wanted to talk about this. And you know, like anything, behind the curtain mm. of the photos is what, what is really happening. And so now let me, let me put this to you. So you're there, you know, you've, you've painted quite a picture <laughs> of what's going on in your house. But yes. at the end of the day... I'm wearing a mask to touch diarrhea. <laughs> yes, okay. But at the end of the day... Not you, mine. Not your diarrhea. You've already did that with Colacard very successfully <laughs> after the explosion of round one. Um, but you get to go back to your own room, sleep in your own bed. You get to practice a guitar song, whatever you want. I don't get that. I get the pictures. That's what I have. There are those pictures. And then what goes on behind the scenes is very different. Than okay, good. The, and, 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 I, and I won't... <laughs> and you're saying I, I, worse. I want to clarify. Yes. And I won't, I, won't get, I won't get into specifics, but I will say this is enough to, to make you believe what I'm saying. Just a couple of days ago, I had to make the firm agreement with my wife that I would get back into therapy. So behind the photos of the guy on the boat pointing and the guy holding the drink and the guy dancing to we built this city is the guy who had to yes Goldie's clapping like a smiling and clapping is the guy who had to on bended knee assure his wife that he would get back into therapy and 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 again why the the specifics of what happened are not important nobody's interested in that but what i know you are but the the thing and we've talked about it on this podcast time and time again anger right we bring that up and oh, yeah well we just heard some we just did from you and <laughs> now and now it's anger and it's the moment of processing the anger so here's the thing Things happen in your life. Somebody yells at you to clean up their diarrhea and you're pissed that Steph isn't hearing it because she should be doing it because she already has COVID. So let her do it. So you get you, you get angry about that. And you're right to. I'm, I'm not angry that she's I'm just angry that like <laughs> I'm about to hit 50. It's yeah. a holiday. And this is what I have yeah. to show for my entire life. Yeah. You're, you're abating diarrhea. Yeah, you're you're lovingly <laughs> running your fingers through diarrhea. We we get yes. it. that's not ideal. Right. Um but again, we've talked about it on this podcast before. It's things can make you angry. It's your reaction to those things mm-hmm. that either make it okay or turn it into some version of World War 3, which results in again agreeing to go back into therapy <laughs> ASAP. I have a text out to my old therapist right now, just waiting to hear from him. I was going to say, so that's I hope you're going to an photo. LA therapist and not a Cape Cod therapist yeah. who's like, so tell me about your mother. <laughs> no, the Cape the Cape Cod therapist would be like, so you got a whaler, huh? What is that, a 12-foot whaler? You're going out in, uh, in Cape Cod Bay? Uh, anyway, so I, I knew that that would cheer you a little bit to to re- realize that, yes, it's not all uh, bourbon on the rocks and, uh, you know, Christopher Cross <laughs> sailing. Great. So, yeah, 
Yeah. So he... <laughs> and I need to get off Instagram. Like, I know yes. this about myself. I know it's clearly a trigger. Me too. Uh, we talked about that on the show a couple weeks ago. I think Instagram is such a time waster. It's crazy. You're right. We spend, and I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're also 100% right about that. We never looked at other people's well, no, pictures. What, does anyone open Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, look at it, and then afterwards go, I feel better now. That was a good experience. Yeah. I'm happy I did that. Good no. use of my time. No. So what the fuck am I doing? I know. Well, you know it's what it addiction. is? It's like it's like the one cute dog video that you're like, oh, that's sweet. I'm glad I saw that. And it's sandwiched by, as you say, looking at your friends either doing better or worse, both of which make you feel bad for different reasons. Yep. And... Or, you know, it's the story about, like, you know, Ohio police shoot man 180 times. It's like, <laughs> right. you know, it, it, it's it, it's awful. And I and it, we should make a pact on here to get off Instagram. I would do that with you if you well, said. First, I, I you need to get back into therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Before that. I promise, honey, I will. I, I sent the text out. Dr. Wagner is going to be getting in touch. I know it. I know he does phone that stuff. guy on July 4th getting a text from you going, oh, fuck. <laughs> Guess those Here first... I was having a good weekend, and now I got to listen to this guy's shit again. I know. I guess those first hundred hours of therapy didn't really stick. Um, <laughs> it's it's all practice. I'm confident I'll get there. I'm confident in my game. Anyway. Well, so I know something you and Tall. I, I know something you and Tall could both agree on. Yes. We have a great guest today. Oh, we sure do. Oh, my gosh. That's so right. Jonathan Gabay, famed Yay. executive EVP of television from the Berlanti Group. Jonathan Gabay will be joining us later today and hopefully just illuminate that part of the business for us that we yeah. are we know nothing about. Yeah. As, as writers, I have so many questions about how they decide to buy a show, when they what they like in a pitch, what they don't like. What is a pitch? Yes. Yep. What do they think a pitch is? Yeah, save the yeah. questions for him. Why, yes. why did my show get canceled? Why yeah. did this oh, show continue? I and I have that. a feeling he's going to answer a lot of it. So I'm <laughs> super excited. <laughs> it's almost like you can see into the future, but I bet you're right. <laughs> almost. Um, all right. Well, so let's, uh, something I'll, I'll also be talking about in therapy is Johnny Joe. <laughs> Johnny! <laughs> that was interesting and different. All right. That's awesome. I have no Running idea. out of spins to put on that, my friend. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Here we go. These are really particularly bad this week. Here we go. <laughs> A group of anti-oil protesters in England crazy glued themselves to a National Gallery painting of The Last Supper. Yeah. Oh. Uh, the group was eventually arrested, but not before they were stuck with the check. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's a good uh, that is solid, my friend. Thank you. That's my only solid ground. I have no idea what else to go. Okay. Let's go up to this one. Oh, boy. Well, uh, the ramifications are still being felt in the wake of the stunning Supreme Court reversal of Roe v. Wade. Many feel that gay rights may be next to be overturned. 
Uh, in their own defense, a spokesman for the high court says uh, they'd overturn gay rights just to avoid another senseless school zhuzhing. School <laughs> zhuzhing. I got, I got nervous. <laughs> I'll go back to the other ones. I'm Stuck still with nervous. the check. Stuck with the check. I got nervous and I stayed nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Stay nervous, my friends. Here we go. <laughs> a years-long drought has caused Utah's Great Salt Lake to fall to its lowest level ever. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, the lack of swimmable water has proved most troublesome to husbands on vacation with their wives and wives and wives. <laughs> that's funny. Cheap jokes that's about Utah. One. Cheap that's jokes good. about Utah. Whatever, it worked. <laughs> and here's the wrong one to end on for the 18th week in a row. Here we go. Three men pled guilty in federal court to defrauding senior citizens out of millions of dollars in what the DOJ is calling the grandparent scam. The three will serve time and have been ordered to immediately pay restitution to the Bidens. <laughs> All right. I, that, that's one that, like, you, the host, you have to do it. Yeah. Right? We don't like it. Yeah, we don't love it. But these we don't like it, but Biden... that gets reprinted in the USA Today. Johnny's <laughs> take on Biden. That's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Thank you. All right. All right. Well Second job. Second job. No shame there. No shame in the <laughs> Well, happy July 4th, everyone. Did you have fun? Yeah. yeah. Uh, millions celebrated America by grilling German frankfurters, drinking Mexican tequila, and lighting off Chinese fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, again, the same. Love it. I addressed it. It's as good as it can be. It's a good global joke. Good global joke. All right. Well, in entertainment... There's a new Minions movie out, but yeah. it's not all fun and games. Liz Cheney just subpoenaed Gru. <laughs> okay. That's great. <laughs> a hot dog shop, did you hear about this? A hot dog shop is offering free milkshakes with proof of a vasectomy. Ooh, yeah. No. Uh, just bring your severed vast deferens in a Ziploc bag. You get a milkshake on the house. And this week only, kids barf free. <laughs> severed vas deferens. deferens. I've never, yep. There's never before been a joke with that line. In it. You know, that was a mouthful. Okay. Uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, I don't know if you read this story, but Brad Pitt claims he suffers from prosopagnosia. Mm. Prosopagnosia, an inability to recognize faces. Yeah, even weirder, he also claims every mirror in his house is haunted by a super hot ghost. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And finally, I got an I got an arm. Uh, right. An arm. Yeah. <laughs> These are the real ones that I like. There you go. A hotel in Las Vegas now has a service where a robot delivers VR goggles loaded with porn to your room so guys can masturbate in virtual reality. Just one problem. The guys keep raping the robot. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. That is excellent. Awesome. <laughs> uh, before we go any further with today's broadcast, uh, we teased it last week. We're confirming it this week. <laughs> That next week, for our 50th and perhaps final episode, <laughs> we are having our biggest by height guest yet, <laughs> Mr. Craig Kilborn, Woo! the man who started it all for both of us. 
will be sitting down to talk with us next week. And Goldie, I'm I'm pumped. I can't believe this is actually happening, that we started on a show writing jokes and questions for him to interview other people, and now we have a show <laughs> where we're interviewing him. Unbelievable. The so snake cool. is eating its tail. Yep. Uh, yeah, and also we're going to, and Goldie, we discussed this, and I think, I think we should do it. We're going to write our Johnny jokes and give them to him. Let him deliver them. Right? I'll believe I mean, it when I see it. <laughs> we still have to do all the annoying work, but at least <laughs> someone else can take the fall when they yeah, stink. Yeah, but now we're, we're going into the psychological headspace we used to exist in. I'm like, does Craig like this one? Oh, I like that one. <laughs> oh, he doesn't like funny. it. And it's like, oh, are these wow. all shit? Is he going to be mad at me now? Am I going to get I love fired? It. Like it's, and there's so many issues <laughs> around doing this. Yeah. That I, yes. I, I do think it will be worth it, but I think it will take a toll on me. That's so funny. Yeah, I didn't and, and he's got he's promoting something as well on our podcast right yeah what he's is gonna be his prom- podcast yes he's promoting his podcast the life gorgeous <laughs> with craig kilborn which is still a great title yes. and then we're appearing on his podcast that's yes. right it never awesome. ends you're his anyway. first and guest. is he writing jokes for us yet <laughs> yet um you know we're extra excited today because as as goldie mentioned up up top in the show we're we're having some guests here uh, for July 4th at our house on Cape Cod. And someone who we love very much, who comes every year, uh, is our guest today. And Yay. that is EVP, which I assume means electric vehicle producer of television <laughs> at the Berlanti Group. Mr. Jonathan Gabay is with us. Jonathan, Yay. how are you? Hi. Welcome. Oh, my God. This is such an honor. I feel like... like, like I'm nerding out big time right now. It's it's like if it's like if Alec was on a George Lucas podcast or <laughs> or Goldie was on Goldie was on a CNBC podcast about the stock market or JC, or JC was just on a podcast about Stu. Like this is just awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the last that's one is the most relevant. That's great. And also let's it's let's true. point out up top before we get into, you know, all the fun questions and stories we're going to get into. Let's just point out briefly how jealous Susanna Makos is right now. Uh, she is. I, yeah. I texted her this was happening and she was like, no way. I'm yep. very excited. She's yep. Very so excited. what we'd like to welcome our first executive onto the show <laughs> and that no one can ever take that title away. I really thought it was going to be Susanna. So I'm glad I usurped her in that. Yeah, you did. Susanna. You swooped in. The pelican swooped in. Um, but let's... I, I just want to point out, this is a really unique thing to have you on the podcast. I want to thank you for coming, Jonathan. But I think as writers, we live in complete bafflement as to what executives are thinking. Yes. How are decisions made? How are shows picked up? What is their reaction to material? What do they think of us? What goes on behind the closed door that leads to a show getting picked up or canceled? And I've never had answers to any of these questions and i know <laughs> our audience is probably wondering them too and i know you're probably limited in what you can say but i just wanted to thank you for coming on because i i think for anyone who's interested in writing or just how show business works i don't know that i've ever heard someone in your position interviewed That's well here's correct. here's the yeah. thing like you're gonna get to ask all of those questions and the thing about me is I'm bluntly honest. And so oh, cool. I'm just going to tell you what I think and what oh, I've been through in my experiences. That. So, so absolutely. Get, get into awesome. it. Ask anything. 
That's so great. And, and so you, I you think can... Alec wants to start out with dads. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell did that happen? I mean, we, we, we have to talk about dads. We can't. Yeah. No, we, oh, we, we will. We did meet, we did meet during dads. Um, I developed, you know, I was the covering exec who developed dads. Um, yes. And then obviously somebody else, somebody else took over. <laughs> yeah, it's on my resume. I put it on my resume. There no, you go. I, I, I hope you don't use the green font of dads because <laughs> that would be even a bigger giveaway. But you can comfort yourself in, in knowing that you can... You can tell as many stories as you want. We have very few listeners, so you'll probably be safe. A couple thousand. Um, yeah, but let's also, uh, really, the the person who was most hurt by dads was me. Oh. <laughs> let's get into that. I don't just see in it. terms of the prime of a career being wasted, <laughs> and then never fully scrambling back to the position oh, I held before. Lancelotti hitting minor league <laughs> home runs. <laughs> Good circle um, back. Yeah, so we okay, so we met on Dads. You were covering Dads for Fox, and you were working uh, with a, a few. Makos was there as well, yeah. And we also had who uh, Sa- Samata. Samata, yeah, and even uh, maybe Carolina. No, Carolina was at the Steve studio. Steve Sisherman. She was okay. Right, Steve. Steve Sisherman was at the studio, I believe, wasn't he? Y- yeah. Yes, he was. Okay, we 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 loved Steve Sisherman. It was it was also Carolyn who we loved as well. Yes. Absolutely. And the others we don't like. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love Sam. We love Susanna. It was a great, great team. It, it, it should have worked. It yeah. didn't. And so, I remember the pitch was hilarious. Like we, you, you guys came in and pitched the shit out of it. And it was like, yeah, no, let's do this. This is great. That's so funny because that's so contrary to my recollection of it. I, and maybe you can speak to this because I've talked about, we've talked about this on the podcast yeah. before that the timing of dads was just after the Fox movie division had passed on Ted. Yes. And, and there was some shame at Fox over that. And so then <laughs> along comes the next Seth MacFarlane project, which happened to be Dad's. And I think we could have gone in there and just put, you know, pots and pans over our head and hit them with wooden spoons, and you guys would have been like, we love it. A hundred percent. That's right. exactly what would have happened. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, you know, I think that, because I remember thinking back on that pitch, and and I think that listen, Seth is obviously a hilarious guy. Wellesley's a very funny guy. I think we were able to you know make some jokes in the room as we were pitching too. that that kind of let everyone know like okay they're funny we'll we'll green light this let's go. Well, you take uh, real this stories. into a question a little bit. Yeah, should yeah. go further. Yeah. So this is like one of my first questions. So you know the movie division kind of had a blocked punt by not picking up the movie. And so you've so have you been told, listen, these guys are coming in and no matter what they do, we're giving them six episodes and we're buying it or is it sort of like, look, as long as they come in here and they're the people we remember and they're not completely incoherent drunk, we're <laughs> going to do something with them. Yes, like, that how part, does that the work? latter, that one. Yeah. Okay. Um no, no one ever said you have to do something or we're going to we're definitely giving them six episodes or something like that. But it's, it was, we were very excited about both of you as writers coming in. And so it wasn't even about the movie division and the Ted thing. Right. It was just Alec and Wellesley are coming in. We're big fans. We're excited to do something with them. So hopefully, unless it's a complete turd, um, we're going <laughs> to buy it in the room. Spoiler then, alert. <laughs> it was. Uh, no, but then, but then you guys were talk, telling stories about your real life dads and yeah. it was really funny and it was authentic and it felt real. And so we're like, okay, this 
could air a hundred episodes. Like, right. like there's millions of stories to tell. I, you know characters. what? Oh, You're cool. right. The potential was there. So here's another follow-up question. And Goldie, you asked a great first question. My follow-up question is from the executive standpoint, what, and, and of course we all have thick skin. We make fun of dads constantly on this podcast. What from the executive side did you see that was going wrong with dads? Like what did, what did you see when, when you were watching it that was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't what we hoped it would be. Like, what, what did, can you pinpoint anything in particular? Because, listen, Goldie's a great writer, and Goldie wrote a lot of those episodes. You are, Goldie, and they were hilarious. Like, you were machine-gunning great jokes into that show, and I'll never forget that. So what was it that, from the writing to the actual execution of the show, was going wrong, do you think? I think we didn't have the right pilot story. That, that's really what it comes down to. I think had we nailed the pilot story, um, it probably would have worked. Great point. Great point. Um, and, and I will say, like, there are shows that I'm embarrassed to have worked on, and I won't name those. This sure. is not one of them. Like, there, every single episode had hilarious laugh out loud jokes that genuinely made us laugh. Yeah. Um, so we weren't sitting there being like, "This is terrible." We were sitting there being like. I, I hope the audience can find this because I think you just get to got to get used to these characters and the tone of the jokes. And right. once you're in, you're in. Yeah. And I think your point is great about the pilot. It's true because once that pilot was received poorly by critics and fans alike, it just felt like it was a flat tire that stuck it was, with it, us. It, it, was, it was hard to get, get back. Yeah. Yeah. Could you Did, tell was there from... any thought given to recalibrating the pilot? Because, you know, there was that controversy that predated the pilot, I felt like in the media that they had screened it and said, like, we don't like X, Y and Z. And, and what from from my perspective, here's what happened. There was a certain acceptable uh, type of joking and a tone that was very popular with two and a half men. Like that was the number one show on TV at the time. And it yep. was probably like the crassest thing imaginable. Like I remember yeah. watching it with my mom and John Cryer was hiding in a room to jerk off. And I was like, I can't believe this is what like people yeah. her age are enjoying. It seems like totally counterintuitive <laughs> yeah. to everything I know about them. And so it seems as though, you know, we sort of a little bit cynically said, we're going to do that tone and that will also be a success. And that what happened was instead we got blamed for everything without ever having received the benefits of the tone. I agree. The, it, the it, was not, it was not fair. I think people were like, look, had their knives sharpened for Seth's humor and they were, blam right. they were blaming it on that. But to your question, Goldie, we did recalibrate. We shot the pilot twice. Um, oh. and yeah, we, there was that. a little recast and yeah, we got Tommy Dewey mm. who yeah. was, uh, I mean, That's he was, right. he was really he was good, great. but then we, we were able to get Giovanni, which you can't say no to cause he's amazing. I mean, yeah. it's just a different league. Yeah. So yeah, we reshot the pilot and I've, t I've taken the hit for this on here before I'll do it again. There was the whole controversial scene with Brenda Song dressed in a schoolgirl outfit that I completely supported and pushed for the entire way. And, and really that moment, I think, as much as anything, was sort of an easy thing to to point to to that was like our undoing. Yeah, because I, I think, think people I think were that's just exactly right. So easily kind of turned off by that, or decided to be turned off. I, yeah, that. I think that happened at a pivotal moment in culture where it became not okay to to reference 
that in Asian with Asians became like right. that's when they decided to, we decided to become outspoken right. about it. So it's right. just bad timing for yeah. you, I guess. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it was after- funny. There was, I mean, a lot of the jokes that were that had some cultural references, I found funny. I mean, if, yeah. if but I may not reboot. have, yeah, you could do a reboot. You really could. I think it was funny. And Brenda wasn't offended by it. Brenda no. thought it was funny. Of course. Yes. I mean, but she was you an actress tell. with a job. Yeah. So they Good tend point. to be a little more lenient about the material. Although that changed through, through the season. I remember having several, cast and me and wells meetings where they were you know kind of letting us know what are we doing guys and we were just down there like we don't know (laughs) like (laughs) just just read the lines i guess i don't know what to say (laughs) great pep talk was (laughs) (laughs) coach coach taylor at halftime right there yeah so we met on dads and you guys were all incredibly supportive i feel like sometimes there's this stereotype about executives that uh, you know, they don't know what's best for the show or they have some kind of different agenda that's counter to the show. But that was not the case, on certainly on dads. Like, everybody was pulling in the same direction and you guys were always very, like, fired up and supportive and, and ready to help with whatever we need. So that was a great, honestly, like a great executive experience. For me, it was more the failings of the show itself that were frustrating and that was right. you know on us so um well one thing that, that i think i i like thinking back to that time i remember is that we were also the only multicam i believe in a lineup of you know i think it was like brooklyn also Nine-Nine true was, yeah was new girl on the same yeah. night like and so tonally there were these sort of more like slick uh, slick slick and and also a little i don't want to say precious i don't know how you describe the tone of Precious new girl in Brooklyn Nine Nine, but it's a it's a lighter it's a touch. Yeah, it's nicer. It's it's like more of a of a knowing laugh than a. Yeah. It's a smile, not a like guffaw. kind of raucous guffaw. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for better or worse, it just felt like tonally we were not in it. It, it you know, and I I guess these things are important. Like you think they wouldn't be important. I th- and I think now audiences just find and pick and choose exactly what they want, as opposed to like. I'm going to stay on Hulu for the night. I'm yeah. going to Netflix for the night. Right. It's just like, I'm going to watch this Shark Tank on Hulu, and then I'm going to watch Stranger Things, and then I'm going to... And yeah. I, But I think we were still under the the operating mode of like, once people set their plant their flag in the ground on an, on watching a night of TV, they're going to stay. And I, I, it felt like the tide had turned maybe without everyone noticing. Yes, right. that's the case for sure. And now, Gabay, so... We introduced you as uh, EVP of television at the Berlanti Group, and now you've been over there for a few years now. So describe to the people listening, what does an EVP of television, what are, what are some of your daily duties there? And yeah, this well, is a big, a big job, right? Like, yes. It, explain also, like, tell everyone how many shows you have, and it's a very impressive thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was an executive at Fox for eight years, um, and then I transitioned to Berlanti Productions, um, where I'm a producer. So it's a little bit different than being an executive at a network. Um, but basically, my job is to find new shows. Um, you know, I think currently we have 15 shows on the air. 
Uh, when I started, we had 20, which I think is the most any producer has had in the history of television, Wow, um, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but, but it's really just about finding the next project, um, maintaining the projects that we have on the air. Um, you know, we do a little bit of everything. We, we've got mostly dramas, but we have comedy in development. We have animation in development. We've done some docu-series. We do a little bit of everything. Um, so it's a lot of general meetings and reading lots yeah. and lots of scripts and submissions for people wanting to get staffed or people pitching ideas. Yeah. Uh, so it, every day is a different agenda. It's never the same day twice in a row. There's always a different project that needs attention, uh, a different pitch coming in, a different writer that wants to talk to you um, and sort of get advice and sort of pitch themselves for any of the shows. God, so it's nauseating. <laughs> oh my it's, God. It's, I think it sounds awesome. <laughs> it's fun. I love hearing writer stories of how they became writers and like what drove them and their passion and their excitement and sort of what shows they love and what shows they don't respond to. It's really interesting because everybody has a different point of view and you really learn a lot about the human condition and yeah. drive and passion. It's great. But are now are there some shows that you've been working on that like you're most proud of or there are there things that you have coming up that you're very excited about, or maybe those are two separate questions, but when in your time there, are you like, okay, we nailed this. I mean, I'm sure you want to nail everything, but is yeah. there, yeah, there's a couple that come to mind. The first, uh, and this is gonna, uh, th this is great because I'm such a nerd and a geek. I got to develop Superman and Lois, which is currently oh. airing oh. on the CW. Awesome. And I'm a huge um, Superman fan. Yeah. And you, wait, you worked on Smallville, didn't you? I worked on Smallville I when I was at Smallville. the CW. Oh so I've, I have a little bit of a history with Superman on television. Yeah. Awesome. And I was nervous. Like, I wanted it to be good. And it really is. It's I'm really proud of it because it's kind of like Friday Night Lights, but with Superman. Oh. Um, oh. Where the family uh, is the priority. It's not on. about like the villain of the week. Yeah, I got goosebumps just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it, it, it's a family show and you can watch it with your kids and it's fun and it's scary and it's just a really good show. But I think the show I'm most proud of um, is a show called All American Homecoming. Um, you know, All American is a show about... Uh, student athletes playing football um, and it does really well for the CW. And last year we developed a spinoff um, set in an HBCU. If you don't know what that is, it's yeah. historically black colleges. Yes. And it's giving a platform to African-American students and athletes and culture in a way that I've not really seen since maybe a different world in the eighties. Oh, um, and awesome. I'm really proud of the topics that they've been able to tackle on the show. I think it's really interesting and it's cool. Where can we watch that streaming? It is going to be on HBO Max soon okay. and also probably Netflix. But it, CW has uh, a streaming service as well. All the episodes are available there. Okay. Awesome. So when you get ideas, it sounds like it's a combination of this, but I'm, I'm curious. How, what percentage of them come from top down, meaning like you or Greg or an executive is, is given a property by, you know, that Warner's owns and says, like, do something with, with this as opposed to reaching into a pile of a writer's script and saying, I like this and I'm going to bring it upstairs. Like how, how does your company sort of balance that? Well, for DC, obviously that's a big priority for Warner Brothers and it's always a little bit tricky. So that's usually a conversation that the higher ups have, like 
let's discuss Superman. You know, we're developing Green Lantern for HBO Max. That's a big property right. that that you have to be given permission to sort of tackle. Then other shows, it's people's ideas. Uh, All American came from, you know, it's a true based on a true story. And a couple of producers came in and pitched it. And we were so excited about it that Greg was really pushed for CW to make it. And it became a huge hit once it hit Netflix and people started watching it like those teen soaps that we always used to love in the 90s, yeah. early aughts. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that's interesting. And that that's a good question, Goldie. So you're saying it's a mixture of both. Like you'll, there are some properties like Superman and DC that require sort of like the very top tippy top people to discuss how are we going to do this and where are we going to unleash it? And then there are other things that are like passion projects that come from a pile or a pitch and you say, I feel strongly about this. I'm really going to push for it. So it's a, it's a combination of both things is what you're saying. And, and other times, yeah, other times like we'll read a book and we'll like, oh my God, this would make a great TV show. We read books constantly and it's about checking the rights and seeing if the book is available and then figuring out, well, who can write this? And then yeah. going through sort of our writer's list and being like, oh, this person would be perfect for this type of show and sort of marrying the book with the writer. And that's sort of how the process begins. Now, you you, you, you speak about that. There's a book I know called So You're Going Bald. Um, <laughs> can, is there, if we could get a 15 minute chunk of time slot, <laughs> I think we can pair it with a writer. I love this could idea. It, could it? Is it powerful enough to bring down all of Warner Brothers? That is <laughs> the dark energy of the book, capable of destroying I mean, an entire media company. I love it. I'm interested. My one note is like, what if he has hair? <laughs> now you're doing stereotyped executives, which I love. Oh, I love it. You're aware of it. That's so it. it's not a bad notion. <laughs> not a bad. Might have helped. Uh, that's great. Um, now I wanted to talk about something that, that came up, uh, on our last podcast and, and Gabe, you commented on this. So this will be interesting from a, cause we can watch the full life and death of this little moment here. So last week we were talking about animal from the Muppets. Uh-huh. We were say so I, I had listed him as one of my favorite animals and Goldie, I believe it suggested like, wouldn't an animal origin story be great. You instantly, because you're a, you're a friend. You you listened to the show and you came to me right away and you said that animal idea is great like it's genius I believe you genius said genius is the word and, I use yes and I and I we started thinking like a great okay well, like maybe we could actually pitch this as a thing and I do think it's a great idea like it'd be interesting to see and other animals and it's like Chewbacca's you know it's like what what would that world be like so then. We started talking about it on the deck, and it was kind of like, well, who owns that? And somebody's like, Disney. And then everybody was just like, forget it. <laughs> wow, wow. If Is I that... could just speak to Bob Chappick bald to bald, I think I could get this done. <laughs> bald to bald. How dare you say that? But Alec, you're you're part of Disney, so why is it well, so far off? Like you can well, ask because, question. I mean, it's the same thing. It's like we're part of Disney at Family Guy, and every time we want to do a joke about Star Wars, they say no. So it's right. like they, you know, they're not really, they're very protective of certain properties, properties. And I would imagine that the Muppets would be one of them and that we would go to them and say, we want an animal origin story. And they'd be like, we have something in the works for animals. I mean, it's worth asking. All right. Goldie, you want to ask? Is. 
<laughs> yeah, and I think part of the pitch can be, I also think that would make a great slot machine. You know, like they're always looking for where, where's the revenue stream after the show. And it's like, imagine the animal slot machine. <laughs> that would machine. be great. I got four animals. Like you're getting the, the free spins and he's hitting the drums and the money's just rolling <laughs> in. Great. Like I, I would base a whole trip to Vegas around like, and I, and I got to go. I, I need eight straight hours to dump 1500 bucks into the animal slot. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Wait, since you brought since you brought up last week, I want to touch on something else that you discussed, yeah, which sure. is JC's oh. iPhone idea. Yeah, uh, oh my gosh. which I really loved. Except, I, I think it should be a romantic comedy That's, about a, about a missed text message yes. that you never saw till fifteen years later. That's what That's I was great. thinking about. I because th- I was trying to shift it because Goldie had said, you know, JC, don't take credit for good no, no, no. things. No, she's no, she's mid throwing me. She sees the bus and she has the back of my shirt. <laughs> no, because you suggested ahead, to me. JC. You said, well, you, you said that was a an idea, but it's I don't really write in that way. So I was like, well, how could this turn into some sort of comedy? I was thinking that because you, when I was listening back, I was like, he's right. That's and by the I, way, Gabe, that's an example of, and I, I hope you'd agree, that's an example of, of a way that an executive can really help a project. Great note. Because great it note. is. Yeah, because yeah, it's not, yeah, like, you're, it's not like you're it. saying, hey, give me the typewriter. Let me take over. <laughs> yeah. You're just saying like, hey, this is a great idea. I think it would be better if it were like this. And yes. you're right. So it's like heart pitter patters when you said that. I was like yes. butterflies when you said it. I mean, we should, uh, Goldie, we got to flip a coin and pick Animal or the iPhone. No. iPhone. Well, the I, we don't own the rights to iPhone. It's JC's idea. No, she's signing him over. She no. doesn't know when she well, signed the contract for this podcast. No, JC, you'd be a, a consulting producer for sure. No, and, the, and I'm sure Stu has to star in it. Like, that's uh, well, the yes, a character represented that the Stu represents. Yes. Well, you could you could have de- a developed by credit, which is what David Zuckerman has on Family Guy, and now he's a fucking billionaire, and he hasn't been in the room in 20 years. So you know, there yeah. you go. The iPhone idea might be that. Um, well, that, I, so this actually leads me into something I've I've wanted to ask an executive the entire time I've been doing this. And Ooh. I think Uh-oh. the audience wants to know, like, I've never met a writer who didn't have this question. What is a pitch? What do you think is going to happen? Is there a standard thing? How long should it be? Where does it start and end? How much do you so really good. want to hear about characters and pilots and stories and seasons? Because... The developers always want you to go on and on and on and on. And my feeling is always like they know within one minute what's happening. So talk, please, for a little bit about what you think a pitch is and how we should approach it. Yeah, for sure. Well, when I was at Fox, for me, the most important thing is, does the writer feel comfortable in the room pitching to us? So there was never a format or a way that we required people to pitch we wanted the writer to come in and be able to tell their story and pitch their idea and have their time. Um, you know, sometimes people came in and there was a tight 20 minute pitch and it was great. And sometimes people came in and pitched for an hour and you wanted to slowly die inside because um, it was, it was taking forever. Oh. So it's very different from the network side because you're not mandating sort of any type of pitch. Now from the producer side, I've been at Berlanti for a few years And Warner Brothers has a really interesting sort of way of hearing pitches or crafting pitches. And I think it really works. At first, I was like, oh, I don't want to force writers to like put their pitch into a format. But over time, I've really learned that it's helpful 
to organize the whole pitch and tell a cohesive, clear story. And it's simple. They break it down into five parts. You start with the why me? Why do I want to tell the story? You get into a teaser. This is going to grip the audience right away. Hold on. Let's talk about the characters. So we tell you a little bit about who these people are and what their relationships are to each other. You then sort of broad strokes the pilot. You don't want to spend too much time. You don't want to get into too much detail. You just want to say, here's the bullet points of the pilot. And then you do like a wrap up of like season arc, maybe some future seasons, but not really spending too much time on that. And you can get a pitch together in that format in a way that a listener can really follow along and be with you on the ride. That's wow. great advice. That, my was, God. that was oh my that God. was a year of film school. That was worth a hundred thousand dollars. I'm not joking. It's, it's yeah, like right. everyone should rewind that and yeah. listen to it ten times and no, write down cold. every word you said. Yeah, that should be on a plaque as you head in to pitch. <laughs> should be on a brass, a huge bronze yeah. plaque. Uh, yeah, also, in the world like of a champion today, in the world of Zoom, it's always helpful to have some sort of visual component. It doesn't have to be. Fancy or anything, but like when you're talking about characters, if you want to put up like a prototype or something on screen, just so like the person isn't just staring at you talking on screen the whole time. Right. And so that's, you know, people have had to adapt into the world of Zoom. And I think those like 30 to 40 minute pitches that we were accustomed to being in rooms doesn't really fly anymore on Zoom. So we try to tell people to keep it 20 to 25 minutes max. That's so always, so always time yourself because once you get past sort of that minute mark, you start to lose people. And that's when you're in trouble. Yeah. It's by the way, Goldie, this is what that's, first of all, that's as Goldie said, just an excellent, Gold. excellent answer. Um, but Goldie, this is the thing that we say about when you send us scripts, like, please make the first three pages funny because sometimes that's all we're going to read. Like if you can't get there in that amount of time. And I think it sounds like the same thing holds true for, for pitches. Like you got to, you have to have something engaging right up top. I mean, the why me is a great uh, thought. Like, and, and and I think some writers, and I, I I think I include myself and Goldie in this. Like, our first instinct is never to say why me, because here's why I'm special. But that goes a long way with the people well, that you're pitching to. I, I think I did a version of this not consciously. And again, thank you. By the way, this is like yeah. I think worth its weight in gold. But. I think I did a version of this unconsciously where I pitched United We Fall, which was like the most successful pitch I ever had, which was I was like, this is a family sitcom based on my family. And then I would drop a folder full of my ER bills from the last six months <laughs> of going with my kids. And I would go into like the cause of each ER visit, what happened at the ER visit and the cost of it. And then sort of the, the story that is behind so it and smart. the story afterwards. <laughs> and so then what would en inevitably happen was the executives would interrupt me and start t talking about their own kids. And this is when I knew I'd struck gold yeah. because they're telling me stories yeah. and I haven't said anything. Yeah, that's great. And I, if you can somehow engineer a situation where it's so relatable that they want to interrupt you with their version of your pitch, yes. then you're against your 25 minutes. Those are winding down. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're doing very well. Yeah. I think you nailed it with that too. That's a great way to pitch something. So, so smart. Comedy. If I was in that room and you dropped ER bills, I would just stop and say sold. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. That's good. And let's not forget the, you know, the whiplash they had from hearing the title. 
But All then right. you got to the ER bills. We like to get it. It actually wasn't called United We Fall Till Later. It was it was called something else. I can't, and I, I can't remember. I'm not making a joke. It was oh. my Vita there was Loca. Like a, there was like a room that convened to change the title, and I forget I forget what it was or why. Yeah. Can I ask what a pitch deck is? Yeah, a pitch deck is something that you put together with visuals where it's sort of a version of the pitch, but it's a little bit fancy, and you send it out as opposed to like having it on an in-person pitch or on a Zoom. Okay. So somebody, you, you email it to somebody and say, here's the pitch deck so that they can just take a look at the idea and see if it's something they're interested in discussing more about. Then you'll set up sort of like a follow-up a follow meeting or follow-up Zoom or whatever if you're interested in the idea. But it's very similar to a pitch. Okay. You, you just don't, you, it's truncated. So it's like okay. a couple lines here for the pilot. Here are the characters and whatever. Okay. It's Some pitch decks are 30 pages. Some pitch decks are six pages. And how do you... I mean, I guess in your position, you have to be okay with all, you know, with reading a script, with looking at a pitch deck, with in-person pitches. It To me, when I see pitch decks, I just, something about them rubs me a little bit the wrong way. Like, it's not the way that I want to hear a pitch. It's um, a little I, manufactured, for sure. That's right. Yeah. It's a little oh. fake slick, and you're kind of rolling to the next page, and there's a little drawing of, you know, little Lucy or whoever the hell it is, and I'm just kind of like disengaged and wanting to make fun of it do you feel oh, like there's a preferred mode of pitching like do you like to hear something in the wind do you like to be at an in-person or now zoom pitch or do you like to have a script sent to you like do you have any preference in that i, I found for me i like to hear log lines like uh, sometimes I'll, I'll have a general with a writer and i'll be like i'm sure you have tons of ideas just pitch me some log lines as opposed to spending time crafting a pitch and writing 10 pages for something that I know either I've developed before or I have something similar or I'm just not interested in. I, I like a writer to give me a bunch of log lines and I zero in on one. And I'm like, ooh, let's talk more about this. I'm interested in yeah. this. Yeah. Um, so, let me just so, say lo log lines. I'm stumped. Hey, everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> there we go, dude. Did, did we make a sale, Golden? <laughs> oh, my I, I God. This is, this is where... <laughs> After the meeting, I would corner you in the hall and go, what the fuck was with that log lines thing? Like he was talking and doing, he was happy with how things were going. And then you just interject this thing. Oh, boy. It goes well, nowhere. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the first one to be pinned up against a wall in that network. Believe me. Um, <laughs> we, we can't, we can't bring up any names. There. Well, We've already can done I, that. can I talk about log lines for a second and, and pitches and, you know, because you've heard so many, and just for the benefit of the, the audience and, and writers, do you have two or three you can think of that were the most compelling Absolutely. that you've heard and why oh, they were? They, they, they jumped to mind immediately. The two best pitches I've ever heard, uh, one was the Goldberg's pitch mm -hmm. um, wow. from Adam Goldberg. He came in and sort of like your um, medical bills, he had a device and which he actually used in the show, which was the old home videos of right. him as a kid yeah. and him with his family. So any story that he told, he literally had video footage from 30 years ago showing that story play out. Oh, right. And it was so, so funny and the characters were so specific and he just came in and nailed it. And we were crying laughing in the room. That's and great. That, that to this day is still the best pitch I've ever heard. And it was honestly like my first month at Fox, I was 
a brand new executive. I had no idea what was good and what was bad. Yeah. All I knew is I just could not stop laughing. And I was like, well, this is a comedy. And of course, it was still on the air. Yeah, years. and wow. now just to follow up on that. So was that at Fox for ABC or did Fox end up, did ABC end up getting it and Fox didn't? Susanna is going to laugh at this story. Um, <laughs> we We had it. We had it in development. And then there was a bunch of like, inside stuff that happened with another show right. and it ended up moving to ABC just because there was a lot of unhappy uh unhappy yeah. people I'm gonna say I'm not yeah. gonna get too deep into <laughs> yeah, it sure uh, but we were you know we were happy that it was so successful for Adam but that could have been such a great show for us I yeah thought. does it does that does that chafe you do you still remember the ones that got away that kind uh, of thing abs- absolutely yeah. um we tried really hard to get blackish. Yeah. That wasn't me. That was uh, Samata and Jeff Meyerson tried really, really hard to get blackish. Yeah. They knew right away. But in terms of ones that were successes for us, uh, the other sort of pitch that comes to mind is uh, The Last Man on Earth, Will Forte. Yeah. Um, yeah. He came in not just with like, here's a pitch for a show. He came in with 13 episodes broken out. He's like, here's the first three, this happens. The second three, this happens. Then here's where we get to at the end of the season. Here's the characters. Here's how I see it going for a few years. And it was just so well thought out. Um, And the concept of like, what would you do if you were the last man on earth is just the easiest thing to understand, immediately relatable, immediately gets you thinking like we were talking back to him and saying, oh my God, here's what I would do if I was the last man on earth. Right. And we had that conversation going like you were saying, Goldie. And it was just immediately like, we have to have this show. It doesn't seem like a show that's traditionally right for Fox, but man, this is so cool. We want to work it on it really so cool. badly. And we really, really fought to get that show made and on the air. Well, good for you, because first of all, and we've talked about it a little bit on here before, but Will Forte is hilarious. One of the world's funniest people, um, because he has some uh, it's something that I'm so unfamiliar with. He's he's totally unselfconscious, you know, it's like and it it, (laughs) it radiates off him and and it makes his comedy so like freeing. And it's in a way that I could never be like, he's just on uh, his own level. He's he's unbelievable. Right. Okay. So you're weighing in. He is self-conscious in real life. We get that, JC. Okay. So, So, um, (laughs) but the first season of Last Man on Earth was fucking hilarious. And then it sort of felt like when I would tune in after that, it's like, oh, Time to watch the 17 people on Last Man on Earth. It's like there are too many people now. Well, well, also, when you're doing a network show at the time, it was they wanted 22 episodes. That yeah. doesn't sustain oh. itself. If you did Last Man on Earth on HBO Max and you had eight episodes, yes, it, people would lose their minds for it because you're able to tell a story without having those, like, not filler episodes, but you're trying to get to the next plot point yeah. right. or the next twist. And it's really hard to do something serialized with such a big, uh, it's such a big swing in 15, 18, 22 episodes. I think we did 18 episodes a year and it was a lot. And so you definitely had those episodes where you're just like, uh, we're just treading water now. Let's keep moving. But if you had done eight or 10, I think it would have been phenomenal. It well, was phenomenal. That's interesting. It's an interesting point now. So, and you may have just answered that there, but how do you feel about the shift in television that we've well, you know, we've, we're kind of moving away from the 2022 20, episode model of network television more to the eight, 10 episodes uh, at a time on a streaming service. And 
what do you think about that? Like, how, how do you think that's good for the business? Is it is it just a change, or what do you think? I don't know how much it's good for the business, but I know that it's really good for the writer and the creator. I think like the 22 episodes a year was just so draining. And people didn't realize how draining it was until they started making the shorter seasons. I think for like everyone's mental health and being able to break a really good show and tell a really engaging story, the eight to 10 or 13 episodes is really, really working for a lot of people. I think that's why there's so many prestige television shows right now because they're not trying to force story in and they're not trying to do 22 episodes so i think it, it, it is ultimately is good for the business That's can great. i ask were, were you still at fox when making history was there or had you I w- gone i was fox? yes i was can we talk I about do. this <laughs> sure, sure i have some lingering questions so i would like to know from, from your perspective because here's how i perceived it was that people were really excited about the pitch and i think a lot of that had to do with the attachment of lord and miller and, and less with me which is i get but then, like, so we show a thing at Upfront, and then we hear, oh, it's being moved back to, um, to mid-season. And then it got pushed back even further. Was it already dead? No. Okay. No, it wasn't. Everybody really loved the concept. The cast was amazing. I was so jealous when I heard what it was, and I wasn't the person in the room for the pitch because I love time travel. And and I knew how funny you were, and I did love Lorda Miller. So I was genuinely like bummed that I wasn't going to get to work on it. Um, But no, it wasn't. I think the year of making history, there was a lot of other things that got picked up at the same time. And I think they were, they genuinely were trying to find the best sort of time slot and time to premiere it. And so, no, it was not already dead. Because I look back and, and particularly like, I, I know now I'm up my own ass and I apologize. But um, it's interesting. like the episode two we did about gun control, we had a few things in there that I felt like if people saw them now, they would be like, holy shit, they were addressing this and that and the founding fathers and sort of, is there any information on what I did wrong and Aww. like anything that could help me both understand <laughs> and improve as a person? Because I just felt like I got a call I want to say we were three or four episodes in and they were like, we need to bring someone else in to replace you. And I was kind of shocked. I don't remember that. You do or you don't remember that? I do not remember that. Oh, okay. So they they said, we need to bring someone in to replace you. And I was like, oh, well, who do you have in mind? Because it's like the middle of pilot season, the middle of production and who that's good isn't working. And they said, "Uh, we don't have someone do you have any ideas? And I said, oh you God. don't tell Lord. the president we're thinking of having a coup. Do you know any other good presidents? Like, I'm not going to give you a list of fucking names. And Why then, wasn't my name listed? And then clearly they didn't find anyone because two weeks later I, I was in the room and I had 25 messages. And it was clear that, that someone had said, okay, everyone needs to call this guy and say like, show them our support because we told them we need to leave and we couldn't find anyone. But I, I never, and I, it's not like I'm angry or anything. Like I get, this is the business we went in and, and it failed because it, it didn't get the audience. And I guess it wasn't meeting these models. Although I think we did some nice things creatively, but I'm wondering, is there anything actionable that I could have done differently? From what I recall, and I don't remember any of this. So this is all very surprising to me, but from what I recall, the first few episodes, like you said, you were doing stuff about gun control and gun reform or whatever. And they were really, the pilot was fantastic. I think there were some episodes that felt silly and not really had a message. 
um, in the way that some of the other episodes that really worked did. So it felt like in the back half, there was some really good episodes and then some that were just a little bit uneven. Um, And then, then it wasn't like completely connecting with audiences for some reason, which I still don't understand because I mean, Leighton Meester and Adam Pally's chemistry was so, so good. Um, so that's a whole other thing that I just don't understand. So you had the, the sort of both things butting up against each other. It was already just not connecting. And I think everybody was just like, okay, let's maybe move on and find something else. But I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the price seemed to be an issue, but I also like it in, you know, introspection, I, I, I feel like, man, if maybe I didn't nail the Pally meester relationship so specifically that people saw like a jim and pam in it they just didn't see themselves in it for whatever reason and then you had this hilarious sideshow of yeah those two guys of sam adams and john hancock john gemberling and neil casey who were hilarious and then it became like you know you have cheers and you go well i want to see norman cliff all the time because it's so funny you know because it was like when they were together it was so funny that as writers we were like, we got to do this as much as possible. But again, you go, a lot of that humor was almost Marx Brothers yep. silliness. And then it yeah. became hard to put the serious messaging in that. But um, I thank you for at least giving me that information. <laughs> well, let me let me weigh in with a, a thought, because making history was very funny. I, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I feel like it, it should have done better. Than, and then it did. One theory that I'll float out there, and maybe Gabay can confirm or deny that this is the case, it had the element of, because of the time travel and the, the costume element of it, it felt like you were watching a great and funny sketch. And it makes it a little more difficult, I think, to, for people to connect with characters in a Jim and Pam way or a Sam and Diane way if you're already putting it against this backdrop of fantastical time travel. So do you, do you see that, Gabay, when you look at shows and you're like, this is hilarious, but it's just there's something about the concept that, that audiences aren't savvy enough really to sort of get over the hump with? Yeah, I think I wouldn't use the word sketch because um, I don't oh, think sorry that I, I, I don't think I'm that's the, that the right the word. word. But I think the sentiment of what you're saying is true. The minute an audience member hears time travel or something science fiction or period they're out it doesn't matter who's in it doesn't matter like how great the show is right you immediately not i don't want to say alienate but some people are just not interested in those types the, of shows. the testing back that up because i you know you're behind the the mirror and right you see. right and like the minute it came out we lost basically a third of the audience and they were like what happens and then this i i, I specifically remember this one woman saying I hate history. <laughs> my oh my, my brother-in-law is always talking about history, and I hate him. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, but but with the office, that's relatable to every single person on the planet. Everybody's yeah. worked in an office or understands the culture of working in an office, and so they can immediately relate to the Jim and Pam of it all. And I yes. think that that is a sort of a four quadrant show in terms of like older, younger, male, female are going to be interested or want to know more about a show if it's good. Yep. Yeah. Can, yep. can I tell a story? I, Cause I'll never Please. have the opportunity to tell this again. Please. Just yeah. one of the hilarious moments of my career is, you know, so I, I felt, and every show creator feels like they're not doing enough to market it. They're not publicizing it enough. 
And so then it came down. We're flying your cast to the Super Bowl. Fox had the Super Bowl. And we're going to show them during the Super Bowl. And it says the cast of Making History. And you're going to get a little bit of airtime to raise awareness of the show. So I'm over the moon. Yeah. So I'm watching the game. It's the uh, Falcons and the Patriots, that Super Bowl. I, I missed and the second half. I was I was there and I stayed. Oh, good for you. Good for you, Bay. You're a braver man than I am. So, you know, first quarter, I'm like, they're not going to show them during the first quarter. That's that's yeah. very early. Second quarter, you say it, it it would still it still feels early. Although I think they showed another show's cast, but okay. So, third quarter, the game's getting dramatic and it's getting very difficult to cut away to say like, and the cast of Fox is making history. <laughs> and then of course, you know what happens with the fourth quarter, but then I'm like, so they didn't show them, but for the first time ever, the Super Bowl is going to overtime. So I'm like, surely they will show because now there's extra time. <laughs> and of course they didn't, but I just, oh my that, God. That, that was the That's experience great. in a nutshell for me was like getting dragged out past where you even thought possible and the little glimmer of hope that you still had. Still you were on the edge of your anything. seat for a very different reason. I know. <laughs> right. it's, it sort of suits you, Goldie, in that like even when you're given something really good, there has to be something bad along with it. It's like, yeah, the game was great. We won, but they didn't show the fucking show. That's hilarious. Um, now, uh, Gibe, before we, uh, we we start to get into our top five lists here, and I'm sure maybe Goldie has a, a couple more questions, but I wanted to talk for just a minute about animation domination. <laughs> so you uh, you covered Family Guy for a, a, a couple of years, two or three years anyway. I think 100 episodes of Family Guy. Oh. It's a lot. Uh, yeah. Amazing. I think it was five years. It's crazy, crazy to me that it was that one of my favorite shows of all time. Well, thank you. What an honor. (laughs) Yeah, no, we, I mean, listen, you were a great exec for us. And, uh, and and I think it's probably speak a little bit to the difference between being an executive covering a show like family guy that was on for 15 years, probably already when you got there as opposed to being an, an executive on a new show like Making History or Dad, because those are different experiences, right? Very different experiences. Yeah. yeah. I think I think when a show has already established itself, you don't want to disrupt anything. You don't want to like mess with it. You want to go in and just be as supportive as you can be and sort of like help the writers um, with any problems that come across their desks, whether it's other departments at the network or marketing or anything like that. But when you're on a new show, you just want it to be successful and you want it to air for 10 years. And so everyone's so nervous about like every little decision could impact the show negatively or positively. And we want the show to succeed. And so there's a lot of scrutiny, especially in that first season of like every little script has to be just as good as the the other one. And it's unrealistic to put that sort of pressure Um, on a writer but from the from the network perspective man you just want it to be successful and you're going to do everything you can and you're going to give all the notes that you can give or want to give um to try and get it there yeah and now in in our field in the in the writing field i think we and goldie and i have talked about this a, a few times you you get as much as we don't really like to talk about it you you can get into the weeds with like making sure you're getting credit for the things that you do, you know, like, do people know that I wrote this or, you know, am I, am, is the shine on me enough? 
as an executive, do, do you have those kinds of feelings and, and, and weeks and years too, Absolutely. where you're just like, I was fucking helping a lot with that. And I kind of, everybody's kind of willfully ignoring it. A hundred percent. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, one of my favorite shows I ever developed at Fox was called enlisted, um, yeah, by, by Mike Royce, Ange. friend of the show. Yeah. Friend of the show. Uh, friend. <laughs> yeah, Mike Royce and Kevin Beagle, but it was based on Kevin Beagle's real life experience of um, sort of his brothers. And he said it in the military. And I just loved it. I'd not seen a show like that on television. And I just kept on like pawing at everybody, just being like, hey, we should make the show. We should make the show. It's different. And the script came in and uh, it was good, not great. It needed some work. And then we just, you know, they, they picked up a bunch of pilots and that was the last one that they picked up. Mostly, I think, because I was just nagging the shit out of them. Yeah. Um, and I, I really think, and it, again, not to sound like conceited or anything, that show would not have gotten on the air and aired 13 episodes had it not been for me. Right. Um, I think like Susanna loved it, but, there, you know, there were other priorities that she had to worry about sure. than sort of the last pilot that got picked up that year. Yeah. Um, and then we we got a we got a cast, but it didn't have like any like superstar names. Yeah. Um, and so it never felt like it was going to be the one. And then it got on the air and had was like best received comedy that year by a mile. Yeah. Um, and then they aired it on Friday nights. And then it that's died. the dead zone. The dead <laughs> wow. zone. Uh, well, that's that's encouraging to know that you are as frustrated as we are about that yes, kind of stuff. Hundred percent. No, I, I think what I will say, like Goldie, you said something up up top about sort of an executive's agenda and like getting in there and making sure that their thoughts are getting mm -hmm. brought out or whatever. But I, I will say, I think ninety five percent of executives really care about the shows that they're working on and want them to succeed. I think where it starts to get a little dicey is the executive is working for a company and knows what that company is looking for, or right. their boss doesn't really like something and, or, you know, what the boss's boss is going to respond to. So as an executive, you're trying to push the writers in the direction that's going to make the bosses that ultimately decide their fate you're pushing them in that direction. And sometimes it's not the direction that you want to go. So it's just like, oh, these are terrible notes that the, the network is giving. Yeah. But sometimes it's we're giving those notes because we know how they're, the upper people are going to respond to it. And so you're in this weird position where you're trying to be supportive of the writer, but also trying to get their show picked up. Right. right. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Totally yeah. makes sense. Can, speaking of pick up, can I ask, I have one final question yeah. and it's, this is to me like the existence of UFOs. I've never understood this. <laughs> so I've been in pitches and at some point in the pitch, and, and everyone should be fortunate enough to have this moment, someone blurts out, we're doing it, that they've decided they're doing it. There's been a nonverbal communication that someone has authorized. It's almost like a third base coach signaling for a steal or something. <laughs> and I'm wondering, how does that happen? Like going in... Do you plan like, hey, if we like it, I'll be the one to say we're doing it? Or and are you reading each other's signals? Because sometimes they they, you know, they wait and you go to the elevator, you don't have a decision and you hear a half hour later. But how does that happen? 
that magic moment? It's 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 not planned. There, we used to try and do a thing where I'm like, if I like it, I'm gonna tap my pencil or whatever. But like, <laughs> okay. I, I knew it. I knew it. There was stuff. <laughs> there are things like that, but it's not like every single pitch. And sometimes you're just excited about something, and you're just like, great. I didn't know I was gonna love this, but let's do it. Yeah. Sold. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's really if- fun to do that in the room. I if bet. I could I break the code like like a baseball player stealing the signals, could I then trick you into the movement? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't right. think so. I don't think so. You're, you're not him, that powerful. Trick him into tapping his pencil by singing a, a jaunty tune. Um, all right, well, those were, Gabe, boy, it, Goldie you. said it, worth its weight in gold, a yeah. lot of this. We don't get to talk to executives like this. We certainly would never get this kind of shit out of Makos, I can tell you that much. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, I'm sure uh, I'm going to get texts. Well, I'm going to get live texts while this is happening. Yeah, I'm of course. Listening to it. Of course. <laughs> Um, anyway, so thank you so much for sharing course, your immense insight into the yes. business. It's a, it's a side of the business that we just don't know well. And so it's great to have somebody who does on here to school us about it. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there's so many more questions that we could ask another time. There could be like a part two. Oh, Gabe part two. I love it. Do we get Gabe part two before Mako's part one? Probably at this point we're, we're riding this horse. All right. Well, now speaking of riding a horse, let's ride the top five horse to the barn. Top five. <laughs> I introduced it a different way. JC was unsure whether to hit the cue. To the I saw barn. That. See, we don't have our uh, nonverbal communication down at all. <laughs> Not at all. No, nothing. It's when I lean out of frame that you know to go. Um, all right, so JC, this was your category. Why don't you hit us with it? Yes, top five superpowers you wish you had. Yeah, and when I told Gabe this top five, his eyes lit up. He's a <laughs> superhero guy. So Gabe, why don't you start us off Please. with this? I'm excited sure, sure. to hear your list. Okay, uh, number five would be speed. Yes. Um, I, yeah. I love the flash. I loved Chitara from the Thundercats when yeah. I was a kid. Like yeah. just the idea of being able to run like that was always great. Yep. Cool. Number four, whatever powers Jean Grey and the Phoenix had in the X-Men, like what, <laughs> yeah. whatever that is, I just want that. That yeah, was, was awesome. A, she had a lot of powers. <laughs> she had a lot of powers. They seemed to vary wildly from scene she to scene. She was very, very cool. Yes. And number three would be immortality, because why not? Yeah. Like, oh, if I could wow, just, I like, stay mind. my age right now forever and just, like, party for the rest of the community, <laughs> that'd be great. It gets You're, harder. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Number two would be Stopping Time. Uh, I used to love that show, Out of This World, where she would just, like, put her yes. fingers together and yeah. everything would stop. I think yes. that would be very cool. And my number one would be teleportation, because I love to travel. Yeah, and I hate planes, so I just want to like places. I'm very impatient. Teleportation would have. I did not think of that, but that is a great one, and for the same reasons, uh, I would just. I hate airports and and flying, but I enjoy when I get places. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, we have a crossover, so I'll go. I'll go next. Go ahead, JC. Okay, I have a lot of teles in the front of the words that (laughs) my superpowers. So number five would be telekinesis, to be able to move. Objects with my mind. Yeah, the force, basically. Yes, exactly. Um, Number four is telepathy, but like Professor X, where I could like control your thoughts and change your mind (laughs) and read your thoughts. Um, And then number three, teleportation as well. Um, Just like I'm I'm lazy. I just want to get there now. Number two, invisibility. 
I yes. think it would be pretty yep. awesome. Get Harvey Harvey Potter's cloak. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Harvey Potter. Nice. And then number one would be um, the ability of just flight. Like like Superman. Just yeah. so I could do it. That's Not, awesome. Yes. I love, it. <laughs> I love superpowers. Superpowers. Um, here, Goldie, I'll go. Because um, mine are sort of... Number five, and this is just a personal preference because I love this character, and, and I think it'd be cool. Spidey sense. Mm. When you you just know something is about to go wrong before it happens, I think is it's a cool one. That'd Not the helpful. most powerful, but I love Spider Man. So, number four, uh, stolen from Wolverine, self healing. Yeah, I think uh, I mean Wolverine's in pain often, which I don't <laughs> love in a superhero, but he can heal himself, which I I do love. Uh, number three, we were sort of uh, darting around at super strength, you know, mm. the super Superman strength, always yes. great. Number two, also Superman related, as you pointed out, flying. Yeah. Just come on. That would yeah. be awesome. And number one, JC, you had it on your list too. Mind control. <laughs> yes. That's my yes. number one pow is. Creep. I like it. Creep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody else had mind control. I'm the creep. Control what you're thinking. <laughs> I'm the creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, it's the way it was going to be used okay. and the way it was said. It yeah, was the Gold, tone. Goldie, you're halfway to Dr. X right now. You should just embrace it. <laughs> All right. here, Here's my list, top five superpowers. And number five is one that I already have being bald, invisibility. Uh, I can enter or exit any room and no one will let me Number four, not sure if this is a superpower technically or not, but talking to the dead. Oh, yeah. oh yeah and then yeah. the corollary number three talking to the living <laughs> good joke solid joke uh, number two time travel but don't do a show about it and uh number one we all had it in some form or another it feels like flight yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. same number one good cross yep. yep good good category jc Ooh, good thank you. category that was, that was tom leggett actually tom leggett <laughs> Thank um, you, Tom. All right, so I'm I'm I think I'm up next week okay. uh, for top five. So uh, the category for next week is going to be top five movies since the year 2000. Ooh, that's a good one. There you go. A little more recent for the kids, for our younger listeners of which we have none. But anyway, <laughs> top five movies since 2000 for next week. Okay. Um, All right, now let's get into the life-affirming portion of the show that we always bury at the end and end on a high note. (laughs) Tom and Max, can you believe that, Kabe? We got them to harmonize together. That episode was so funny. I I had tears in my eyes from laughing. Uh, Tom is so funny. I love uh, thinking back on it when Tom is like, Max has a big announcement. And Max wasn't saying it. He's like, he's going to be an EMT. It's like, let him announce it. (laughs) That was so funny. But we miss Tom. We miss your Morty bits. We want more of them. So send them on in, Tammy. Yes, please. My high note for this week, and I'm just, I'll start it off. It's sort of an abstract concept. My high note for the week is hope, as cheesy as that sounds. Like, the world is just such an awful place. Like, you read so many bad stories in the news. And then every once in a while, you'll just see little slivers of, like, great stories and people treating people the right way or going above and beyond to help another person, an animal. 
And it just, it makes you realize that even in the, the swamp of life, that there, there is hope. So oh, that's, that's nice. my high note for the week is that's hope. That's lovely. Well, that's nice. um, um, I know I do this every time we, we have a oh, guest, no. but this is true. I was so excited when you said Jonathan Gabe was going to be oh, a guest. Oh, stop. No, yes. for real. Because it was like, uh, it was a surprise. I, you know, it was, a, it was an idea and then it was executed and you have delivered. Today was, we got so much valuable information. Totally. You are so articulate. I don't mm-hmm. think you waste any words. It's like oh, so it's sweet. Really? I know. And he's not he's not like that in person, so he really switched it on. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank so, you. Yeah. That was a great high note that showed. Yeah, I want to second that. I had a different one planned, but I I mean I John and then Gabay. We we talked a little bit inside Gabay'sball, but <laughs> I feel like you answered Love Love concretely it. so many lingering questions I had that I, I can almost just quit show business satisfied. Please point. don't. We need And you. I know Please. all these all these mysteries that I mean it, it literally was like an a writer's version of unsolved mysteries for me. Yeah. And you just gave concrete concrete solutions to all of them. So I I, I appreciate it. I applaud you and and just want to say thanks. You were well, great. Th- thank you. Thank you very much. And obviously this was the high point of my week for sure. But also I have to say like for those who don't know Alec in person, I, I can't describe the generosity and kindness Aww. and genuine like great human being that this man is we've spent a week at his house and he's treated every single person like a king and it's just the best week of my life every best week of my year every year to come here and spend time with these people it's just the best three words from me and jc must Must be be nice nice. (laughs) (laughs) please come next year yeah goldie wouldn't goldie wouldn't come if he was invited He would never come. Well, there's only one way to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, Gabe, thank Thank you you so much, everyone. Thank you for being here. We know you have to run. You're off to New York City. Big time. I'm out. Um, out. But thank you so much. Thank all of you for listening. And thank you too, Goldie and JC, for being awesome. And we will talk to you again next week. Next week. That's right now.